G'day everyone and welcome to another edition of Tuesday Night Live brought to you by Crowcast. Thanks to everyone who's joining us on Spreaker, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, everywhere else. It's uh, great to have everyone everyone on board. Of course you can chat with us on Discord either uh, directly on the app or you can just go to our website at uh, aflcrowcast.com, click on the live chat tab and uh, hook into Discord that way. Um, look, uh, we've got a big show tonight. Uh, we've got Peter J, of course, uh, Macca joining us as well. But our special guest is Paige Cardona, um, ex-Fox Footy uh, digital content producer. And uh, we're really grateful to uh, have Paige on board as well. So let's crack straight in. But the big deal, I suppose, from the Crows' point of view, Pete, Macca and Paige at the moment is the Tyson Stengel situation. Mm. Yeah, it was Fane, and that was uh, it was almost a, a bit of a saviour to us, wasn't it? Because there hasn't been a whole lot to talk about, uh, but it was unfortunate and um, and disappointing. And uh, I mean, I think uh, sometimes the uh, these things uh, are made out to not that it, it wasn't a bad thing, but um, he didn't um, you know uh, he didn't uh, kill a thousand people or anything like that. But um, it, it was a uh, a pretty bad slip-up. It happened on Good Friday, as I understand it, and um, he was unregistered and DUI, which is a serious offence. And so it was, I guess, from a Crow supporter's point of view, disappointing. I think probably the major uh, controversy that seems to have come out of it, and Paige, really keen to have your input on this, and, and that is that um, the Crows once again roundly criticised by the Victorian media um, for and Kane Corns, for that matter, um, for their tardiness in uh, releasing the information sort of five or so days later. So um, interesting to hear what thoughts you have about, I guess, clubs' responsibilities in, in this regard and, and um, the expectations of, of the media um, in, in releasing these details. Yeah, look, it's an interesting one. Um... You know, you can see both from a from a club point of view when, you know, they take into consideration player welfare first and fo- foremost um, and then what their responsibility is to the AFL and then, you know, the media outlets that sit within that to obviously make them aware of an incident that's happened. And then, of course, once, you know, you, you get someone stepping out of their perfect character line, the floodgates open, the media gets hold of it and, you know, um, everyone has an opinion. Um, but, you know, in this in this case, I think it's a little bit different and, and the reason why it's probably a little bit different, in my opinion, is that the current environment of, of where we're at at the moment is such uncharted territory. Now, if this is during the season proper and, you know, we have normality and the Crows kind of kept that behind you know, closed doors for for a little bit. Usually it's that 24-hour period we know within in the media. Um, that's when, you know, there'd, there'd probably be bigger questions going on, like, well, what, what more to this story is? And that's when people start, you know, suggesting and the innuendo comes into it. But um, I think, you know, you can almost forgive, you know, the Adelaide Football Club a little bit here for actually wanting to get their ducks in a row first to, you know, one, acquiring all the information, two, speaking to Tyson himself, his manager, three, you know, you know, the South Australian police, the other parties involved, and then working through the logistics of the situation, which is then obviously, okay, well, we have to hand you some sort of punishment and it's not like we can get everyone to the football club to sit down and discuss, um, you know, you're probably doing these things through teleconferences and trying to speak to board members and coaches and leadership groups to come out with 
you know, what they believe is the adequate fine um, or, you know, for, for that situation. But, yeah, look, I, I don't think you can be too tough on Adelaide really for not releasing that information straight away. I mean, we're not playing football at the moment. We, um, you know, the, the COVID-19 situation is, is a much bigger beast and deal at the moment than, than I guess playing football really is. And, you know, but the other side of the thing too is, you know, perhaps there's a little bit more going on potentially with the player um, than what, we, what we've been, you know, told. But also the flip side of that too is that, you know, sometimes the, the, the clubs are quite transparent with media um, as a goodwill and say, well, a player might be having a few issues or there might be things going on and we're going to tell you this in goodwill because we're going to be transparent with you, but we also expect you not to make that very private information public. So that is, in a sense, the way that the clubs and the media work together to sort of foster a kind of a, a mutual ground to find out what, what the information is, how we report that, how we get that out. And two, a, a level of comfortability for the club where they have that trust within the media to actually push out the story, which, you know, is what it is. The DUI, driving an unregistered vehicle. Um, and then, you know, the footy fans all have their say and, you know, some media, you know, you'll get media straight that'll get onto it and it is what it is. But look, I really don't think in this current set of circumstances and the environment, that there should be too much sort of, you know, stick given to to the Adelaide Footy Club for for kind of withhold not withholding it, but probably taking their time a little bit to get that out. I I half agree with you, Paige. But you know, in, um, in a normal situation, I'd say yes. But the Adelaide Football Club and the media don't have the greatest of histories over the last couple of years. Um, the particularly the Victoria media. Media and Cane Corns. Uh, they've had great delight in bashing Adelaide Football Club uh, because of that uh, infamous camp, uh, which, you know, was, a, was an absolute disaster. So you were talking about the trust between the clubs and the media, and I don't believe that exists with the Adelaide Football Club and the media in general. And, uh, the, the, and the proof of the pudding in that is that Adelaide took six days after... I mean, Tyson Stengel himself took two days before he told the club. Then the club from there on in after that took six days before they released it to the media. And then, uh, I, you know, one of the articles I read about it uh, talked about Tyson Stengel and uh, his offences, but at, uh, then slammed the club for the six-day delay and then went on to the rest of the article, <coughs> brought up the camp again, the, the camp, that infamous camp, uh, at the 2000 and was it 2018 camp, and it carried on about that for the rest of the article. So, um, given the history of the Adelaide Football Club and the lack of trust by the media in the Adelaide Football Club, and now we've got a new regime, and uh, it's been also been discussed on radio as well. They've pointed out the two common factors, of course, Fagan and Chapman. They're still there, and from the media's point of view, they're saying. Or some uh, areas of the media are saying nothing's changed. They like football club. They don't. They're not honest. They don't come out and tell you straight away. It's yeah. I mean, look, you make great points there. It's um. No, it's no, no. Don't say that. Don't say that, Paige. For God's <laughs> sake, tell the truth, Paige. Don't don't <laughs> pump up his tyres. He doesn't make good points. Oh, He's look, here for shock value. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's you know it, it is it is fair i mean you can say that i think you know um i, I probably don't blame it's a two-way street though isn't it i guess media media are always hungry for clubs to be transparent clubs yeah. you know also whilst they want to share information have been burnt by media in the past that's not just related to the Adelaide Football Club. That is all eighteen clubs in the football, um, in the football league who have all at one stage have been burnt by media to a degree on information um, that's gotten out when it shouldn't have, or um, or football clubs have provided sort of half truths in information and then it's been reported on and then and then it snowballs from there. I think um, you know I, I will say I think. Victorian media do have a tendency when it comes to the Adelaide Football Club. Yes, I think they are almost an easy target to yeah. write stories about. That's um, interesting. It, I, I would say that's my personal opinion because I don't think we've. I can say this from a media point of view. I can say this as a football fan <clears> point of view. <throat> is that I don't think we've really, you know, we're stuck in a very, we're a rock and a hard place at the moment. We have received very small drips and drabs about what actually went on at that infamous camp, as you said. Secondly, you've still got people there that were involved in it. Thirdly, you had a, a there were quite a lot of players who departed the club within, you know, a, a twelve to twenty four month period thereafter. And then you have it, you know, and then it doesn't help that you've got that these players will then, you know, make these parting wax if you will and cite things um yeah, about yeah. that and you know and it drags up old history and of course the media would be reminisced not to actually report on that so if you have player x that says well i've left because i didn't agree with what happened here that instantly becomes a big story and that's something that media will keep like a dog with a bone they want to know more they want to know more they want to know more but you've only given me a half You've given me half of something to go off. Now I'm asking for more, but now you're actually being tight-lipped. So if you're not going to go the full hog and actually reveal, well, what was so upsetting about it, there is always going to be a story. Then you've got you've got Twitter. Then you've got Talkback Radio. Then you've got forums. You've got people speculating. You've got, oh, my friend of a friend who knows player X that played at Adelaide during this period told me this. And all of a sudden you have a lot of, speculation swirling and Melbourne is a cesspool for that. Um, and you're always going to hear rumours and it's hard to separate rumour from fact. The issue is, again, is that when you talk about sort of the Adelaide Football Club getting whacked by the Victorian media is that I guess the Victorian media are like, well, we've heard this and you're not confirming either way if this is true or not. So are we going to get some transparency from you? We're we going to get some truth and we're going to say, right, someone here is going to saddle up and go, all right, well, here's actually what happened. Um, but then, you know, you've got players coming out saying one thing. Um, you've got former players saying another. And, you know, it's, it's a merry-go-round. It's a constant merry-go-round. So the problem is, is that the infamous camp, which yeah, it, as I said, it's hard to separate fact from fiction at the moment. Is always going to be a carrot for the for the Victorian media, particularly yeah. because we are never going to know, and we won't. 
it's very much like the Essendon saga. We are never going to know everything that happened there. We're going to know bits and pieces and bits and pieces will continue to emerge because players or former, you know, administration or people that were involved during that period perhaps will let things come out or slide, but they'll get to a point where they realise I'm actually not going to say anything more from here because then it becomes damaging to me either as a person and a character and where I stand in the football media or as a football player or how then it reflects back on that football club who actually were really quite good to me apart from this incident which, you know, left a sour taste in my mouth. So I guess you have to take into a number of factors there in in terms of how that might look for, you know, whoever is involved. But, yeah, you know, it's it's, it's weird, I guess, probably getting back to the point that you made that, you know, we're reporting on the incident with Tyson Stengel, it then trails off to talk about the infamous camp and then it comes back to Tyson Stengel again. It doesn't seem fair, I suppose, in that incident because Tyson wasn't at the football club during that period. Right. Um, you know, and and it's like, you know, but at the same time, it's it's something that will still linger and I, it will I, still be be put out there until a bit more comes out. I think, Paige, the relevant point here is uh, with regards to the camp is actually how Adelaide have uh, treated this in terms of their priorities. And I think you mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, some of the Crows or ex-Crows players have given a bit of a whack on the way out and probably fed a few things to certain media um, people, etc. Um, and I think one of the complaints that, that arose out of the review that was conducted by Dunstall and Pavlik and co um, was that the players probably felt a little bit disenfranchised by the club and a little bit, uh, you know, uh, hung out to dry and, and, you know, put through that camp and blah, blah, blah. And I think maybe this is an example of the Crows actually having their ducks in a row correctly and looking after the players' welfare first, um, making sure he's all right, making sure those that are involved are in right, his family, etc., etc., then getting the leadership involved in terms of, you know, uh, assessing the situation and dishing out a punishment if required. And then after all that's been sorted, then go to the media with a statement, which they've done today, uh, which um, builds on what they released on Friday, basically saying that Stengel's been given a two and a half grand fine, he's going to, you know, miss four games, etc., etc. And to me, if you look at it from the other side of the coin... They've actually looked after Stengel very well, in my opinion. And I think that would, from a player's perspective, if you're talking about rebuilding a culture at the Adelaide Footy Club um, and making it a place where players want to be, I think that was probably foremost in their mind. Yeah, I agree with that. That's, um, you know, I guess, that you know, the one thing is that football fans will always want to demand... You know, they want to know everything and they want to know it yesterday. Yeah. And, um, you know, we live in a in a world where news and media is 24-7. You know, you've got social media and, and that just rings throughout. And, and I guess that's probably why I don't really have a major issue to a degree with this taking its time getting out. If you talk again, you go back to the fact that, okay, well, there, there were players that were unhappy with how things turned out with that camp um, and the feedback has been well the players want more security from the football club they want their welfare considered they want their feelings considered all these things are relevant 
Um, and based off that, if, you know, you've got an incident like this and, you know, we're not talking about, you know, him going and, you know, the Lockie incident, Lockie Hunter, sorry, incident is, you know, probably a bit more full on given the damage he's caused to other vehicles and property. Um, but, you know, I haven't got an issue. If Adelaide want to get all the facts right and they want to get all the information, they want to collect all that, take their time. And, again, you have to allow almost that what you call postage time, right, of, of speaking to yeah. the relevant parties, the board, the exec, the coaches, the leadership group, um, people who might have known, you know, what was happening that night and why it happened so they can get all the information correctly the first time and go, you know what, here's exactly what happened. There's no secrets here. We're giving you everything. We've taken our time to get it out to you. And if you're going to grill us for that, well, then so be it. But that's 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 been our decision and we're not going to be criticised for it. The only thing problem with that, of course, is the six-day factor. And, uh, you know, I always think the best way to beat the media, uh, uh, to, you know, uh, defuse the media is to beat them to it. And uh, I think that they, they were right in uh, dealing with Tyson Stengel first. Uh and then I think after that, I would have released a statement that this had occurred and that they would release more details later and then talk to the players and then et cetera, et cetera. But I think that the six-day gap is just too long. It really is too long. And although they're not trying to hide something, it gives the media that opportunity to say they it appears that they are. I, I think um, uh, a page and thing, no disrespect, Macker, but I think... Page and Fiend, you make really, really excellent points that dovetail nicely into each other, and, and that is that with, with the camp, there was no, and I don't think any of us would disagree that we were, to a large extent, um, the authors of our own misfortune, particularly in the early days when we were, you know, fronting the media and and um, and trying to cover the whole thing up, um, and it just, you know, in hindsight, it, it looked very much as uh, when we look at what um, unravelled subsequent to that, it was seems very much now that there was a real breakdown between what the players thought about all of that um, and, and how we represented to the media. So I think it your two points dovetail well in the, in the so far as page you're right, that you know, we we were the authors of, of our own misfortune. And then, Fiend, I think you're absolutely spot on with, um, with, the, with the Stengel thing, that there was a lot, probably a lot more, it was a lot more player welfare driven and a lot more, um, uh, I, I guess, um, interaction with the player and 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 probably um, some of the senior players as well, to make sure that when we did actually front the media, that we were you know going there with everybody on board, uh, which was completely, which which um, even though you know that the punchline was that we we hadn't learnt um, from the experience of the camp, I think it probably what it does show on closer analysis is that we learnt a lot. Yeah, I agree with that, and I think it was lazy journalism to or easy journalism, and like Paige said. We're a bit of a, uh, a cheap target. Uh, the oh, thing I that I the thing that I want to know, Macca, did Burton before he left forget to pay Stengel's bloody rego? Because how can he be driving an unregistered car? He's on hundred grand a year. Was that Burton's last contribution to the club that he forgot to pay all the regos? Well, you have to remember, mate. I blame Burton for everything. So you <laughs> uh, I found that a little bit unusual. I just. Quickly moving on to the Lockie Hunter one, he's obviously fallen on his sword uh, under a bit of pressure and uh, given up the uh, the vice captaincy at the Bulldogs, and obviously that was a little bit uh, heavier an inc- incident in terms of damage and also getting his young teammate involved. 
Um, but again, I've had a big problem with uh, your ex. Now, Paige, before we continue, how committed are you to your new music career? Do you have any designs at all of getting back into media? Oh, look! Uh, look, you know, getting back into the uh, the <coughs> AFL media is, uh, is is my number one priority. Oh, so you can't trash Tom Morris and those guys. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Tom is Tom is a very good operator. He's a very fine <laughs> operator. I noticed very you said operator fine. instead of journalist, so that's probably fair. Um, but Morrison, Morrison, he gives as good as he gets. That's for sure. Oh shit! Him, he's been giving me the shits on Twitter, and so has Tom Brown. Bloody, you know, we we should know the full story. And why did Lockie Hunter choose to release a video statement instead of fronting the media? Blah blah blah. Whatever Tom Brown put on Twitter, what he was, what he would have asked Lockie Hunter if he'd uh, had him fronting up to a press conference, and it was all the information we already knew and the stuff that we were never going to get told anyway. Lockie Hunter's not going to say why he was pissed on that night and why he stuffed up. I mean, it's just unrealistic. It's just look, mark I don't, I don't mind. It's uh, it's it's probably one of those things that at the end of the day, you know. Um, Footballers are paid a lot of money to adhere to a certain set of rules. They are, you know, property of of, of the club, of the media, of of fans. You know, like they they are just watched from all angles. And I suppose the the part and parcel of that is that, you know, you can enjoy the the the, the big side of that, which is the money, the fame, you know, all of that sort of stuff. But then, you know, when you do stuff up, there is an expectation that you do front the media, that you do. Um, talk to you know these questions and and kind of cop your whack and that's sort of been the frame since well, the dawn of time. Um, you know, before I was you know at Fox Footy, um, you know I'm, a lot of people would know me as, as a Collingwood supporter and you know during the Rat Pack. Sorry, just breaking up there, Paige. What did you say, Collingwood? <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, one of one of those. Pull my teeth as well. Um, but, you know, you, you fully expect if a player is going to stuff up the way they have, um, you know, you do. You want them to front the media because there's questions they should be asked and they should be put on the spot. And um, and that just goes part and parcel with, you know, the, the, the fortunate position they find themselves in as an AFL footballer. And, you know, again, you, you can almost – can you forgive that a little bit because of the situation we're in? Well, yeah, of course, you almost have to be a little bit lenient given the environment. But, um, you know, again, I think that the Lockie Hunter issue, when I actually saw that bob up, it kind of reminded me of, a, you know, Alan Didak back in, you know, the early oh, yeah. sort of yeah, 2010 yeah. sort of situation where very it, similar. Was, it was very – it hit me straight away and I thought, oh, you're kidding. This is like Groundhog Day in a sense that – you know, there was this incident and then all of a sudden this came out and this came out and you've got two other players connected to it and all of a sudden he he wasn't around to be breathalyzed because he's left the scene and um, so we're not going to know just how, you know, under the influence he was. We know that he was impaired by it. We don't know what to, to what degree. Um, again, it's I think it just comes down to, you know, where I fully agree with Tom Morris is that, yeah, you know what? You've this is a big bungle, and you really do deserve to sort of, you know, cop it, sweep between the eyes, answer the questions. Um, in saying that, he's also been shamed by the public as well. This is everywhere, um, and given that there's no football being played, there's nothing to be, for it to be hid behind either. So it's it's the biggest story at the moment. Um, but 
I do believe that he should have, you know, fronted the media and, um, you know, and then the flip side of that is, well, we're talking about social distancing. We can't, you know, do all these things, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> the video um, that he put out is, you know, suffice enough, is it? Who knows? It's debatable. Um, again, you know, we're not ever going to see everyone's always going to agree on the same thing. But, you know, the Hunter issue is of concern because, you know, again, you compare the two situations. We've had Adelaide that have actually been really quite transparent, clear, got their information together, provided that, perhaps not timely, but still provided it all together. The Western Bulldogs issue, it's just come out in drips and drabs. Yeah. And um, it doesn't bode well for the football club. Which has, you know, had a pretty tidy history. To be well, honest, well, they got a they got a lawyer for a, for a GM, so you know. Now, Paige, <laughs> exactly. I, I thought this is a really good segue, just to segue into your other stuff, and I think you can probably hear what I'm playing at the moment. <laughs> I can you? Too. Now, Paige, in her sabbatical from uh, reporter duties, um, is uh, an artist, and uh, her. This, this has only been out for a week on YouTube page, is that right? Yeah, it's a, it's a week old today. Week old. And it's called Alibi, which I thought was very appropriate given the circumstances around Lockie Hunter. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I've put a link in the chat and uh, I'll put a link on all our socials uh, afterwards. But uh, just uh, let's, of you. Thank you. Let, let's just uh, listen to this just for a second. Paige, we will just digress just for a little bit and have a ch- chat about your current endeavours. What's the uh, what's the deal with the music? And I thought yeah, you were so a hip. I thought you were a hip hop artist. What's this R and B stuff going on? <laughs> Look, it's um the art. Well, the artistry is sort of you know I've since I was about oh, probably about six or seven years old. I've I've been playing guitar most of my life and been sort of sort of throughout my teenage early adult sort of life I've been you know in and out of bands and sort of acoustics and bits and pieces and you know put it all down for a while and probably over the course of the last uh, 12 to 18 months I've just sort of um, you know started back up again but in a different genre altogether and I've, I've sort of under that hip-hop R&B sort of um, umbrella and it's just a bit of a hobby really it's um, a good little outlet you know when you know, for, for so long, you're in, you know, you know what footy media is like. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And it's a nice little, um, you know, outlet to sort of pour into and, and have fun. And I write all my own beats and lyrics and produce everything myself and put it all out. And um, it's a bit of a process, but it's, yeah, it's a rewarding one. It's a bit of fun. So, um yeah, now, it is what it is. Paige, you know the collective uh, age or the average age of uh, your co-panellists here is about, well, maybe 85. Um, Pete, <laughs> Pete and I are in our 30s, but that, Mac, is, Mac is about 110. Yeah, he's, he's, he's up the average, has he? Yeah. 
Yeah, um, well, I'm the wisdom anyway. Yeah. But Mackie, you'd be all across <laughs> hip hop and the latest uh, music trends, yeah. Uh, I don't like hip hop that much, but I, I like uh, do like uh, I like rhythm and blues. I really am. I mean, I'm, a, I'm an old rocker from way back, um, and I really love rock. You know, Queen and all that sort of stuff. Oh, I have to say, um, um, guys, I, did I tell you that I was doing the um, the under 16s for Norwood? This year, I was um, team before it all got caught off. I was team managing yeah. the uh, development squad, and like I, when we used to play, and you know, you'd, if there was a bit of music in the in the change rooms, you know, back in the day, it'd be a bit of ACDC or you know, good stuff. And and these before before games, <laughs> I'd go to the rooms, and these stuff these 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 kids, it would be all like you know, you your N-word, rape my sister, you know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, it, and it's just this sort of like, it's pretty sort of low-key, but, you know, all this sort of really unbelievable... And I'm, and do I, I've said to the coach, do we have to turn that shit down? Are we going to get sued by, by somebody here? I just couldn't believe what they play to get themselves pumped up for the game. It's all it's how you, gangster rap. A, a lot of, um, a lot of, you know... Kendrick Lamar, Drake, um, Post Malone kind of stuff at the moment. It's just, um, yeah, I think sort of that, that hip-hop and, and rap particularly is more, it's probably more accessible now, put it that way. That's probably why yeah. um, that, that younger sort of you're talking that 12 to sort of 18 age group. Oh, so it's so accessible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, yeah. um, yeah, you, obviously it's, it's definitely great grandchildren. that's for sure. <laughs> I'm not oh, really. Just, a, I'm not really a hip hop fan, just, but uh, I was astonished. I was just because I'm thinking, how does that pump you up for a game? More like it just sort of gets you, you know, lying around, you know, smoking a joint or something like that. <laughs> smoking, smoking a joint? How sixties do you want to get, Pete? Jesus, smoking a joint. Well, yeah, not not really the not really the go to Sandford Club, I know, but. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, I was just, I was quite amazed that this was yeah. what was coming out of there. These were the tunes that were coming out just before the game. Yeah. yeah when I was playing footy, it, um, there was there was still like some of the music. I'd just be like, what, what, what is going on here? Um, <laughs> but you know, I suppose you know, even you know, I was playing football even sort of last season, and um, you know, all the girls we'd have a habit of actually you know putting back on. You know, really bad '90s songs, oh like God. the four games, and it, yeah, there's a lot of good the '90s songs. First couple, it's funny, and um, you know, not of... when it gets to ooh ooh ah ah sexy oh. hours, you just think, no, <laughs> what the no, hell? I'm not on today. Now listen, although my my favourite ever cover page uh, uh, does mesh your genre and the '90s because my favourite cover is that thing that Denzel Curry did to. Uh, Ah, Bulls on against, Oh my God, that was good. That's my favourite cover ever. So uh, that that was a bit of a mesh between good old nineties metal and uh, and the current stuff. So anyway, let's... he's a very good artist, Denzel Curry. Oh my God, I've, it actually made me do a little bit of research and listen to his, some of his other stuff. He's uh, he's pretty good, and I hope he keeps doing that. Uh, Doing that mash between uh, metal and and hip hop because he's got the voice for it. He just absolutely yeah. He's the only one that. Out there that does it actually. He's um as someone that's grown up in a sort of a very rock and roll you know 
80s, 90s, you know, grunge metal sort of household with older brothers and, you know, my parents and stuff. Um, Yeah. He does. He pays homage to it very well, and that's what he grew up with too. So the fact that he can merge both is very, very, very talented. Just smashed it. Congratulations, though, Paige, just on, you know, like your music sounds fantastic, and it's great that, I mean, that's just, for that to just be a hobby um, is quite amazing because, you know, the lights of Macca would, you know, do a crossword or something like that as a, as a hobby, but to uh, to put that hey, out I'll as a hobby is... You know, I was actually in the Australian Boys Choir, mate. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, here we go. I was. So, well, well, so were congratulations you the, on Were that. you the organist, I appreciate Macca? it. Thank you. No, no, I, I was, and then my voice broke and I turned into a frog. Right. <laughs> That's the way it goes. I just thought you'd be oh. sitting there playing your organ. That's all. Well, the, no, I'm, no, no, I'm a rock. I only play rock music. Right, right, okay. Anyway, look, Paige, the other thing that you mentioned just there, which I thought I'd briefly touch on, is your footy career. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, wow. Um, I don't even know where to start. I, um, <laughs> look, look, We're all could have been here, so you've got one yeah. up on us, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, it's been been a bit of a journey, actually. I um, I think you know, probably like a lot of girls my age, um. You get to that sort of age of 12 and that's your cutoff, um, you know, what, what was for me back then anyway. Now, now you know, you're able to start from under eights or nines or something now for girls. Um, but, yeah, played at, my dad played at a pretty good level here in Victoria um, when, you know, he was quite younger. And then uh, so for him, when I came along, it was all footy, footy, footy. And um, so I played until I was about 12. Couldn't play any longer. Um, had to switch sports, you know, for my teen years. And then as soon as I turned 18, um, I grew up down Geelong Way and then moved up to, to the Big Smoke in Melbourne. And um, I started playing with uh, the Darren Falcons um, under Peter Searle, who coaches the, um, the St Kilda women's team. And yep. um, was very fortunate that I arrived there almost a naive, fresh-faced 18-year-old. And... Um, Basically, from there, we um, we won about five or six premierships um, during my time there. So, um, you know, I played along the likes of, you know, Daisy Pierce, Kaz Paxman, um, Mel Hickey, Katie Brennan, Darcy Vessio, Jess Dalpos. Um, we had a phenomenal, phenomenal team, um, you know, in that era and... Um, yeah, I was very fortunate enough to have some, you know, great team success and, you know, individual success and got to, was re- lucky enough to represent Victoria. So um, that was quite a long, long journey and I've hung up the boots now because, you know, I'm turning 32 and I thought that's enough for me and, um, you know, it's time to focus on on the career side of things and, <laughs> and um, you know, so that's all done and dusted. But, yeah, I've got phenomenal memories playing footy and um, very fortunate to have played played for Darabin, such a great football club that's churned out, you know, the most AFLW players in the competition and, um, yeah, great memories and, yeah, you, you never get sick of winning premierships, that's for sure. So, uh, so with a with a male footy um, page, sorry, Mac, just for a sec. Um, with a male footy, you know, it doesn't matter what level you play. You always sort of have that affinity with your teammates, and you could bump into them in the street ten years later, and you know, the the goals get longer and the marks get higher and the wins get better and all the rest of it. Is it the same for 
um, people who have played in the women's league in terms of that camaraderie and that sort of that mateship? Oh, yeah. If anything, it's, yeah. Look, you know, it, it, it's hard to really explain because in, you know, the way the AFLW has evolved, um, it has come from, it's come from, you know, from so far back. And in in Victoria, the um, VWFL, which was the strongest comp in, in the country, um, you know, we had um, only about I think it was between eight and ten teams each season. And the teams were just absolutely layered with, with talent. It was the teams and the, the structure of the league was just incredibly strong. So, you know, you didn't really have lots of blowouts. And, um, you know, it's incredible to think that, you know, some of the girls that were starting on our bench you know, <laughs> you almost had a bit of a giggle at because you just thought, how is how is that a thing? Um, girls would be stuck playing in the reserves that would be starting 18 at, you know, another football club, but, you know, yeah. stayed with Darabin because of, you know, the culture and sort of, you know, the, like the camaraderie basically there. But um, I think it's even more important, I guess, for us women to, to really be um, – you know, to, to keep those sort of memories and those the, that old league before it turned into the VFL alive because, um, you know, it, based off the, the VWFL, it, that's what the AFLW became. Um, yep. That sounds – now that I say that out loud, that must sound very horribly Victorian biased it to does. you South Australian It does, it, it does, yeah, and you're starting um, to break well, up again. Well, not not much different. Not much different to the men. Not much different to how the men's competition evolved. Really, oh, we, is it? oh, come on! You're 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 most you're most rusted on football. People know how how high of a quality the Sandford was and still is. But um, it's yeah, it, it's quite incredible to think that you know we were so fortunate to be the blueprint for what the AFLW became um, and. Because it was, you know, it, it was so strong, it, I guess those memories, you know, they stick around like they almost happened yesterday. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, looking now at where all the girls have gone and, you know, where they're plying their trade and, you know, um, you know, one of my best mates, Stephanie Chochi, is the captain of Collingwood um, and... You know, I used to room with her when we played Victoria, and our other roommate was um, Penny Cooler Reed, who who played for Collingwood as well, and then you know coached the Collingwood um, VFL team. God, imagine that room, season. Pete. Three so, Collingwood players uh, in the same room. Bloody hell! Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was pretty pretty rowdy times. But, um, <laughs> you know, like it, it, it's um, you know, I think no matter what, no matter what level of footy you play at, I think. You just love and appreciate the people behind you that support you, um, you know, the people that come to help right. out each week, even the people, you know, your, your friends and family that run water for you, the people that volunteer their time, um, you know, the ring-ins that have to run the boundary or, or, you know, be on the, you know, goal duty or timers and all that sort of stuff. I think, you know, when you're playing grassroots, it's community. It's, you know, when you do, you know, have those wins, they're they're in, you know, they're great, oh, yeah. but when you experience premierships, they're even better. Yeah. Um, and but, I think, you know, they're not, a, they're not as glamorous as, you know, your big AFLW premierships or anything like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're lucky we made history and, um, you know, I'm very fortunate to be part of that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's all I was going to congratulate you on that and just ask you what position you played in. 
Yeah, so um, when I started, um, I probably thought I could do everything um, and realised <laughs> very quickly realised I was coming into the strongest team in the competition and um, so I'd basically be, be told where to play. Um, I played mostly off a forward flank um, and I had rotation minutes through the mid. Um, but, you know, when you've got a, a phenomenal midfield of, you know, who we had, um, it's pretty hard to get extra minutes. So um, I played sort of a forward flank, um, had to had to share basically, you know, sort of key key forward roles with, with Mo Hope, which was always a battle. Um, and yeah. her and I, her and I were, um, we, we were housemates, so we used to live together and, um so that was always quite interesting, seeing who was who'd kick more on the weekend. But um, yeah, so I played mostly as a forward flanker. Move, you know, sort of would go deep, play at full forward or centre half. And then, uh, funnily enough, when I played Victoria, I'd actually play as a rebounding defender. So um, and then, you know, during the rest of my sort of career with Darabin, I sort of played as mostly as a utility. So um, I'd go the sort of half back flank, forward flank. I'd have rotation minutes through the midfield. Uh, you know, if I was mouthing off, I'd spend a few minutes on the bench. Um, that was pretty <laughs> oh, good at that. I, I, love, I love mouthing off. It's part of the game, isn't it? Didn't mind the lip. Um, a lot of girls don't. A lot of girls don't engage in it. But um, having grown up so engrossed in football with, you know, dad, brothers, um, playing against the boys, and, and just sort of having football be all-consuming um, on the weekend. And you know, I'm not just talking about watching, you know, Collingwood games. I would watch every game I could possibly watch and, um, you know, basically mimic, and, you know, players and commentators. Yeah. So I'd get out and absolutely, you know, get on the lip very quickly in the game. <laughs> Not even potentially realising what I was saying or doing or how that was going to affect this. But um, I was definitely a sledger when I played and um, I, loved that, I loved that side of the game. A lot of girls didn't. They don't, they don't like to do it. Um, Paige, we've, we've got a question from one of our um, people that uh, jump on our live chat just um, asking what your favourite footy moment. Um, I'm, I'm not sure whether that's going to be as a supporter or a player, but we'll assume player. Oh, look, as a as a player, probably my favourite footy moment um, was definitely. Look, you know, premierships are always special, but I suppose my my dad played for Victoria um, when he was a younger younger man, and um, my first year at Darabin, I was a, I was very much a rat bag, and um, I had potential, but I wasn't applying myself, and you know, Peter Searle sort of read me the riot act and, you know, really sort of ripped into me and said, look, you know, you put yourself in a good position to get to Victorian trials and, you know, you'll get yourself picked, but you've got to be fit and you've got to want it. And, um, yeah, she really, really rode me for, you know, a good solid three months on the track and, um, you know, getting getting my first Victorian jumper is is without a doubt the the sweetest sort of moment for me um and particularly because that number was the same number my dad wore as well um that would have been a good that was um yeah and and for so for the for the family it was great um you know i've got the only other time i've seen my dad tear up is when collingwood won the flag in 2010 um so 
I'd that was a nice that. football moment. <laughs> no, we, 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 we teared up too, but for a different reason. <laughs> <laughs> Fiend, she, she's just breaking up again, Fiend. Yeah, no, this yeah. connection's getting really the crow's dodgy. Pass with, with this rubbish, but um, yeah, no, definitely getting my first Victorian jumper was just. Uh, it's still, it's probably my most prized possession as well. Is that that first one you never forget? And um, I wouldn't have been able to get there without um, without Peter's, you know, yeah, her, pushing along. just her ability to drill me. Uh, J Mac on the chat asks um, Paige. What do you reckon the best sledge was that you've ever delivered? Oh, um. <laughs> <laughs> and can uh, you repeat it, or do we have to just? They're always hard because a lot of them you can't repeat, can you? No. Uh, look, a lot. Look, there's there's probably a lot that um that you. Uh, I, I guess what are we governed by on this? We're not, not governed by it. There's no <laughs> oh, rules. Okay. I mean, um, you were you were here at the start when we were, you know, barely getting the treadmill running. So yeah. there's no limitations here. Um, I I had a there's one there's one very good sledger in um in the AFL. I'm not going to I won't name names, but she's, <coughs> she's very good. She's a very handy player, and um, she played for Diamond Creek, and uh, Diamond Creek and Darabin were big. Big rivals, and um, just googling. Well, keep keep going. I'll <laughs> <Google it. laughs> and um, I uh, in, in one particular game, this this girl and I were sort of going head to head, and it was a, sort of a battle basically between <clears> both of <throat> us the whole afternoon. And um, oh, you know, we uh, she'd kicked a few goals, I'd kicked a few goals. It was very much who was going to end up with the most. You know who was basically going to get best on in a, in a in a in a game and all that sort of stuff. And I turned around. She kicked an arsy goal, and I turned around and I said, "Well, it's, it's a good thing that you're a uh, like you're a good footballer because apparently you're a shit root." Um, <laughs> and, uh, Beautiful. And uh, and uh, that's I, what Macca's wife says to him every night. <laughs> happened to know her ex girlfriend. Um, well, and uh, <laughs> and uh, that information had been made available to me. And I thought, well, <laughs> oh, so it was factual. <laughs> <laughs> there was you, you and, even, you uh, even had the well. <laughs> uh, you had the you had the uh, any potential defamation defence all covered because it was a it was factual information. So oh, yeah. that's, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> oh, I really love it. There'd been a few, but um, you know. I'd you know give as good as I take. There's 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 probably there's probably quite a few I could talk about, but um you know that that's, that's that, for another that time. Sticks out. That's <laughs> oh, for another no. time, absolutely. Let <laughs> me tell, let me just turn my best phone and I'll keep it polite um, <laughs> as polite as I can. Um, one one of the guys I'd been sort of jostling with all day came out with uh, that he had sex with my mum last night. My reply was, yes, he said she had a dud bang last night and uh, all his teammates laughed at him, so I'm quite happy with that. Uh, You always know you've nailed a good sledge when when the bloke's teammates um, have a laugh as well. I've had a couple of those moments on the cricket field where you hear a couple of sniggers in the slips and you think, yeah, that that actually worked. (laughs) Yeah, when it it lands and it lands well... um, It was. I sort of took the shine off her goal, and um, I think even her teammates and sort of mine, and you know, the runner was out and just 
I remember him shaking his head at me and going, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> do you ever I, stop I, yapping? Or? <laughs> I reckon the best, the best sledge I copped, and it was a, it was a continual sledge. <clears throat> it was completely above board. It was cricket, actually, and I, and I was batting. And anyone that knew that me playing cricket, I never, ever play a cut shot, right? It's just one shot that I never, ever stay. You know, I, never, I always stay away from it. And no wrist, Pete. Yep. No wrist there. And I'd got to about 20, and this, this guy that was footing the slips, he... He said, I reckon you're probably in around about 20, mate. He said, actually, you're looking pretty good. He said, but, you know, I can't rate it because there's no cut shots. And um, I got to a 50, so I'd made 50, and he was clapping me, and he said, you played really well today. It's a really good little 50 you've made there. He said, but again, no cut shots. So it's not really a great innings, is it? You know, And, of course, it just kept going, and eventually, of course, what I had to do was play a cut shot just to shut this guy up and was obviously caught in gully. Uh, it would have been an even better story if the guy that was sledging you actually took the catch in gully. That took, just, took the catch, no, yeah. but uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah never I think mind. The, uh, the sledging is definitely one of the, you know, the, the more enjoyable parts of the game. Absolutely. Females don't, don't necessarily take to it <laughs> very they, – they hold grudges and um, they don't forget and they, their, their feelings get hurt really quick. So you have to – you almost have to sort of – you know, pick and choose, but it certainly made that meant the, that you know I was a bit of a target. There are certain feelings, uh, certain uh, topics, Paige, that we don't discuss on this podcast. We often have uh, one of our regular uh, panelists is Nikki, uh, uh, who it's a shame actually she wasn't on tonight. But um, we've learnt uh, that one of the one of the topics we don't discuss is women's feelings, so. <laughs> We won't talk about that. We'll just move on. Um, I, I was going to say more things. We don't usually consider them. <laughs> well, you, you don't consider them. It's bloody hell. Um, so, jeez. Um, Paige, so you mentioned that you want to get back into the media. Just give us a bit of, can you just give us a, and we're sort of heading up to closing time, but I don't mind going over because uh, this is a good chat. Um, like you want to get back into the media. What? How has it been in the media since the the you know the ISO and all the rest of it? And what is the pathway back in? Is it? Do you think it's going to be a matter of people just picking up where they left off, or is it going to be a shake up? Do you, Do you have any idea at all? Look, I think that largely a lot of it is so unknown. Um, I think you know, particularly when you talk about the way that football clubs are structured, um, you could you know that. There's somebody employed for basically anything and everything at a football club. And um, I think once you start, you know, once we started seeing those, you know, the, the culls of employed, you know, employed people at footy clubs yeah. sort of really get, you know, come through thick and fast. I think the writing really sort of became on the wall and that was more to the sense that really if, if you look at it in the way that, you know, football was structured, you know, really – in the nineties, even, even, I mean, before that it was skeleton in the nineties, it was probably, you know, they had really started to build up in terms of what a footy club looks like and all the people involved. And I think it's probably headed back that way potentially Hmm. is that, you know, we're not going to have all of these people employed by footy clubs and we're not going to have all this, you know, we're used to seeing, you know, a head coach, you know, four line coaches, four development coaches, um, a coach for the reserves team, um, you know, your different nutritionists, dietitians, marketing, digital, absolutely everything. Um, What that looks like is so unknown. Um, But 
I suppose the other side of the thing too is, you know, from a media point of view, you're talking about, you know, these multi-million dollar industries that, you know, rely on, you know, one, sport being a thing, but two, um, you know, at the moment because it's hard to explain, but in a sense it's it's almost going to put more pressure now on these entities to, you know, to basically say, well, how much can we produce by getting by with as little as possible? Yeah. And, um, you know, if it meant that we had 10 journos, can we do the same amount with, say, five? Yeah, or more you know, freelance because, type stuff maybe. Yeah, exactly. So for, I guess for me in, in how I'm probably back to get into the media, um, I'm probably under no illusions that because these big companies can't predict, you know, the next two quarters and, you know, you know have been affected by on the bottom line, obviously by, you know, n- no income coming in, you know, through their revenue streams of, you know, sponsorships and partners and, you know, advertising and all that sort of stuff that's going to linger that doesn't just all come you know we don't just flick a switch and it all comes back on when footy does that is going to take time to recover from so that might be a one to two year financial situation for the likes of fox sports herald yeah. sun you know the the addy um you know the courier all these you know the daily tally all these big mastheads um it's probably going to be a one to two year turnaround now i'm just speculating on that um, but from a financial point of view, it doesn't all just flick back over because, you know, there's, they have to build that up again. I can't just go back to the normal wage I was on because, you know, they all of a sudden don't have the money to be able to, to pay all their journos and content writers the money that they were on before because they just haven't been able to acquire it. Um, and it might be two years before they're able to get into a financial position where they're able to go from, say, five journalists back to ten. Yeah. And... Uh-huh. Um, Question, Paige, did they uh, put everybody off or stand them down? No, so across the entire Fox Sports, um, from what I'm made to understand, there was a, a roughly about 200 people across the, the company. That's yep. um, We've got multiple different you know divisions across the country were uh, made redundant. Um, another 140? Um, approximately were, um, you know, were furloughed until the end of the financial year. So basically to be determined on next, they could still be made redundant. Um, lots of people had their hours basically cut in half. So from time down to part-time, um, I know of plenty of freelancers, um, contract workers, already people that were on part-time, um, you know, they've all been cut completely. Um, you know, for Fox Footy in particular, we had so many staff that were um, freelancers and contractors that were based on the broadside, broadcast side of things. Sorry, um, you know that obviously are completely out of work because there's no there's no TV to produce, so there's nothing for them to go to. Um, so it's gonna be um, it's gonna be really strange. I'll be I'll be looking to do some freelance work as quick as possible and, and with the hope of returning back to being in the media full time. But, um, you know, it's really kind of about doing whatever you possibly can when things do return to normality, um, whether that's with Fox Sports, whether that's with somebody else, um, I'm not sure. But, you know, really at the moment, um, I'm just going to sort of you know, take it every day as it comes, as cliche as that sounds, and, uh, 
and hope that um, there's still the a place for me in the media. Yeah, yeah it's, it's I mean, a shame though because we've lost a lot of good women um, in footy media recently. So, well, it's, it's a travesty uh, that it's a travesty that some really good journo's have been let let go, and yet we still have Kane Corns on the bloody TV <laughs> and <laughs> on the radio every freaking day. Um, I reckon there's probably a thousand sports journos in South Australia or in Australia, I should say, that are more deserving of a spot than. He and Paige, I reckon after talking with you for uh, an hour, you'd definitely be one of them because it's been oh, such pressure. a great, such a great hour uh, chatting with you. Um, you're you're fantastic uh, on on the mic, and your knowledge is, and your passion about football <clears throat> and sport in general is fantastic. So look, we really appreciate you giving up your time um, to spend an hour with us, uh, the enemy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. I appreciate yeah. it all the same. You know, uh, for those listening, uh, I hope you've appreciated having Paige on. Don't forget to get around her uh, latest release, uh, Alibi, on YouTube uh, and um, follow Paige on Twitter as well. There's a bit of gold that comes out there now and again too, Paige, when you can be bothered getting on Twitter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've taken a hiatus, but I'm, I'm back now. I'm back, yeah. so, uh... we, we all need to take a break from socials now and again. <laughs> <laughs> can I just uh, echo that, Paige, because um, it's been a, a fantastic hour and um you're obviously an incredibly talented person obviously the work that you do whether you were doing for fox then also to to swing into the music that you're doing uh, and also as you say a multiple premiership player playing football yourself so um incredibly talented and um it's been a great it's been a great chat for the, for the last hour yeah, yeah. Oh, thanks for having me guys yeah no, i thoroughly enjoyed it and uh, good luck with whatever happens in the future and uh, hopefully you can get back on there oh uh, look me too. I really appreciate the opportunity for coming on, guys. Great chat, and um, hopefully uh, I'll be back on again. And you know, we've got some footy to talk about. Absolutely. Well, anytime. We've uh, we've got into all your socials now, uh, Paige, so you won't get rid of us now. Um, I mean, we <laughs> we had um, Angela Pippos on uh, late last year, and uh, she's a great ambassador for for women in sports broadcasting and and women in sport. And um, you know. It, your our, our chat with you tonight has been just as just as good so thanks so much everyone um don't forget you can catch us uh, tomorrow night where i'm going to be playing very badly on evolution 2 uh, on twitch um the game sucks but i'm still playing it uh, as we emulate the crow season while we wait for the real stuff um thanks to everyone who's participated on chat this evening uh, on youtube and facebook and discord and every bloody where else uh also, thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon Patreon as well. You can support us at patreon.com forward slash AFL Crowcast. Lady and gentlemen, I'll bid you farewell. Stay safe and we'll see you next Tuesday night for Tuesday Night Live. Cheers, everyone. Bye now. Thanks, guys. Look after Benny Crocker for me. <laughs> yeah. Good night, all. Bye.